Welcome to Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Not happy Jan. A terrible, terrible result, terrible performance, and Villa right now is in a supermassive black hole. Terrible pun. This is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Joined by Paul, Ryan, and Tess today, and uh, Spud would also be disappointed, but onwards and upwards, Up the Villa. through the Love Sport Podcast Network, boys. We just said it before. I might even leave it in the pod. We're a little bit down after last night. <laughs> Very flat. Right. Can I ask you guys, we're going to do a match review. We're going to do it half by half, uh, and then we'll get into uh, a new signing, which might give us a little bit of, um, little bit of happiness. Um, we can talk about Pochettino and Gerard potentially, and we'll talk about our captain as well. So, do you mind if I start off with a summary? Because I took notes last night as I was watching. I think you should definitely go for it because I was in bed watching it. Right. Watkins scored, and it was a really good finish. Great finish. Saha's killing us. Oh my (laughs) God, our defense is shambles. Hey, (laughs) Ming's passing is the best I've ever seen. Oh man, damn it. One minute and a bit. Come on. Oh, there you are. Marginal call. I thought we were in trouble there. Oh, Martinez save. What a save. Oh, Brian Diaz playing well. And oh, what a chance and a save. Man, is Ramsey even playing? God damn, one all at halftime. At least we're not losing. Hey, Gerard might actually get us back in the game here. You just never know. <laughs> He's going to put his boots on. That was my first <laughs> half uh, notes as I watched the game. And, uh, I, I'm going to let you guys come in and talk about the first half, but I thought we were all over the place. I I felt that they had the plan at all um, tasks to take us on. I just think they knew what they wanted from the start. We had no idea. Yep. 
they looked hungry, didn't they, Crystal Palace, from the off? And it couldn't have started any better for us, though, getting that early goal. And I thought, you know, being away from home against Palace, the crowd's up and about, goal in, what was it, five minutes? Perfect. Silence the crowd. But typical Aston Villa at the moment, we just show that, like, soft underbelly. Two minutes and it's one all. And all that confidence is sort of drained from us within, you know, a couple of minutes. But, yeah, I, I was just going back to the starting lineup. actually. I was a bit disappointed to see us go with just one up top. I was hoping to see Watkins and Ings start together again because I thought they had a good game against Everton. And I thought there might be a bit of momentum there. And, and you know, no disrespect to Crystal Palace. They're, they're a really good team and, you know, put us to the sword. But I thought this is a game we should be getting after, especially with a couple of tough fixtures coming up. So I was disappointed to see you know, one striker. Uh, but your your summary of the first half, Paul, was pretty much spot on, really. Um, Zaha just got it cash, didn't he? Um, tormented him uh, down the left, their left. And um, for the goal, I thought Cash and Konza were, were pretty suspect. They sort of allowed him a lot of space and, were, you know, willing him to get a shot off. And that's what he did. And brilliant finish from him. But yeah, pretty pretty disappointing first half. I don't think the midfield really got into the game at all. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just felt and to to go into your both your summaries. I thought that was a really really good summary. I mean, it was typical Aston Villa, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, we we started the game and um, it looked like we were just going to go for it to try and silence the crowd, which we did. Uh, to be fair. Um, it was a it was a great assist by uh, Leon Bailey. I thought that yes, yeah, um, it was, was yeah. a fantastic touch to put Ollie Watkins through, and it was the one on one. I sort of as soon as I saw that, I had like my finger in my mouth and I was almost biting my nails. And I was like, "You one on one, come on, son, you got to put this in the back of the net." And it was yeah. a really, really good finish, really, really good finish. Um, and we looked do really you, sharp. Do you think he didn't have too potentially? He didn't have too long to think about what he needed to do as well. No, he didn't have too long to think about what he wanted to do and he had to just put it in the corner somewhere. Yeah. Um, and that's all he had to do and he did it. So it was a really, really, really good goal. Um, and then we go back to sort of the typical Villa style. They, you know, what is it, a minute or two later, they go down the other end and and pretty much score from kickoff. So 1-1 um, one, one, um, and you think to yourself, I don't know how we've let that happen. Mm. Um, and... I've got, yeah, we didn't feel like we had the midfield um, talking to each other in in the first half. I felt like they just kind of, you know, they grew into the game 20 minutes and they've grown into the game and they're controlling it, really. We yep. could, we didn't have an answer for them. We were second best to everything, which kind of looked like a, the Bournemouth performance at, at points um, where we just couldn't get the ball to stick or we weren't winning those, those first challenges. Um, and if oh, I, I'm really disappointed in performance from pretty much everyone. Again, not much the the front guys could have done. You know, uh, Buendia still tried to put himself around everywhere, and uh, whenever Leon Bailey was able to, and Watkins, they they did all that running. But it's really tough because if they can't perform unless the midfield perform. Yeah, yeah, and if the midfield aren't performing, it puts extra pressure on the defenders. Um, as we saw, Matty Cash and Ezri Konza had a hard time, and that was 
it was their job to do a job in that in that first half. They didn't do it. But at the same time, the caveat, in my opinion, was that our midfield allowed that extra pressure to be put onto those two defenders. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, obviously, if they don't do their job, then, you know, it looks like they've had a terrible game. I just felt that they weren't protected enough by, by our midfield, especially down on that right side. Yeah. Well, they slaughtered us in that regard and to the point where McGinn just left his leg trailing out when, when um, you know, another Crystal Palace player just went straight past us and he picked up a yellow card. And there's a reason I bring that up um, for you as we look into our second half. So we came away at halftime one all, but it felt to me like we were down. It felt like we were in big, big trouble. I mean, didn't they have the offside goal as well? Was that yes, in the first yeah. half? Yeah, well, I think I, I think I had that in my summary. I did. I went, oh, well, VAR, phew. Yeah. yeah. Even, even though was... we sort of lost, the, you know, the first half, we, we had a really good chance just before halftime. I think it was like 43rd minute when um, Cash squares the ball into Buendia. I think he's close oh. to the penalty spot and Guaita saves it. So we were still... You know, at, at we one all Yeah, we were offering it at least a danger where they had to think about what was happening and uh, agreed. And it was a very, very good save. And so both teams' uh, keepers um, pretty much kept the game uh, level at halftime. Well, they didn't pretty much. They did. Yeah. So we'll get into my second half summary because we've got a bit of a rant to go on about tonight because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Okay. Now, this, is, this may not even be in order. I was just fed and delirious at this stage, right? So, here we go. Bailey, brilliant curling shot. Hits the corner of the upright. Oh, my God. Would have been an absolute ripper. We're so frail at the back. Long passes are not being picked up at all. Ayu and Zaha are absolutely ripping us apart. Dinier, penalty. Hand in an unnatural position. I disagree. As you'd hand, your hand will go up when jumping for the ball. But, you know, nevertheless, whatever. Brilliant save and Zaha taps in the follow-up from the penalty. Midfield is the championship quality. There's no way we're going to Europe with this midfield. Two poor away performances. This is before the game's ended, mind you guys. Midfield <laughs> is bad as you can ever imagine. McGinn is dreadful at the moment. Should have received a second yellow for the leg out. Red card. We would have lost this 5-1. Five, five, uh, crap, I'm going to bed. It's <laughs> a very good summary. It pretty, pretty I mean... much sums up the second half, really. I mean, the second half, in my like, it was just, I thought, you know what? And I, I had a bit of a whinge on, on, on Twitter because I felt like I just saw this non-leadership stuff happening again in the midfield. And the second half started and I said, right, squeaky bum time, that sort of thing. You know, Gerald will get into the plays at half time, and then they're going to come out and they're going to... Um, they're going to perform a lot better, start playing together, start being close to each other in the midfield. Yeah. And it was the opposite. It was almost as if we were playing with set, we were playing with defenders and the three attackers because everything seemed to bypass our midfield. Um, long balls diagonally, not being able to win the first challenge, giving the ball away ridiculously, giving away needless fouls. Um, uh, they just looked too fast for us, Tess. I, I, I honestly yeah. think they ran at us and they looked so fast. I, and I, I've been a fan of the way they've played the last two seasons. And I think they will trouble, as they did Liverpool. I think they're going to really trouble a lot of teams with that pace. That pace... It's not the pace, though. They've just got strength as well. You know, they've yeah. got strong, strong players. And our players were bullied um, in that game. And, you know... 
we saw last season where um, John McGinn was able to do a job on Zaha and Cash. They did a job on Zaha, but he was he was prepared for them. The difference this time is that Eze was um oh yeah uh, was yeah. just um when he gets the ball he's he reminds me of a our our player that's similar to him would be Jacob Ramsey in terms of running with the ball and and sort of gliding across the pitch. Except Eze's got a lot more skill. Um. <clears throat> On the ball, ball. I'm not so sure about that. I'm not sure about the skill, but he's definitely got the strength that Ramsey could develop in the next few years. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not so sure. I think Ramsey's skill's right there. But look, last night I was calling Ramsey Casper. Uh, there's no <laughs> racial tones there. It is strictly the fact that he was just, it was like he wasn't even playing. Well, I that's the difference, though, right? So Eze was there playing and making himself a nuisance of himself. And this is the kind of thing that you want to see Jacob Ramsey do. And he didn't do it. He didn't do it um, last night. Yeah. No. I, just, I just don't know if McGinn and Ramsey can play together in that midfield. It just, they're very, I don't know. I just feel like we need something a little bit di- different, like a Douglas Louise in there. Someone who can get their foot on the ball and just play with it a bit more. I feel like McGinn and Ramsey a little bit similar in a lot of ways. I just don't know if having two of them in the team is going to work for us. When the we problem need for me is that you've got, you've got, you've got John McGinn playing on the inside, right hand side. Yeah. As a left footer. Yep. And Ramsey playing uh, inside left. And it just does not seem to work because Crystal Palace had a plan. And what they did is they prevented John McGinn doing what he normally does is getting the ball sort of turning putting his bum in the way, turning and getting the ball away um, on his on the inside. They stopped him doing that all all game. Yeah. And there was no change for us. We were just still doing the same thing, which put him in a position. And then he's given away, you know, could have got sent off. And that would have been, that would have been he a should, disaster. No, no. He should have been sent off. Yeah. He, he trailed the leg, exactly the same foul that he got a yellow for. And it was very cynical. It was almost as if he wanted to be sent off. He was like, I can't keep up. I'm trying to do all this myself. Um, and I, I just think it was, I honestly think it was horrendous that he didn't get sent off. And, and I, we're Villa supporters. Mm-hmm. I was cursing him at that stage. I, he I, probably I thought he was surprised. off as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very surprised. So, oh, I think, guys, give us a, on the, this is really tough to do to you. Give us a three word match summary. Oh, that is tough. Um, what a load of shite. I, I was going to say, this is shite. Yeah. Oh, and I said too many words anyway. <laughs> I would say one would be passive again for our midfield. I use that that term quite a lot. You know, I've used it in the first three games, I reckon, with our midfield. We're just very passive. We don't, you know, we look for the easy passes. You know, we, we give the ball away cheaply. Another one would be, you know, soft. I think the long balls going over the top and conceding after two minutes. We just, we just haven't got the heart at the moment for the for the fight. And and Crystal Palace came and they 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 won the hard balls and we just they just wanted him more today. Just showed more energy. Just showed more more passion for it. And I think our guys just shrunk when the challenge was there, which is disappointing. And then the last one, my last. Word would probably be disappointing, actually, because there's no other word to sum it up. It was just poor yeah. all round. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I, I, I went from anger um, to just resignation in the matter of a very short period of time, and uh, yeah. 
and that's really scary three games into a season mm. um, that I'm like, okay, well, this is what we're going to get. I mean, Do you know what was really was... just sorry? The performance was just not acceptable because what Crystal Palace did is they said we're not going to play through the middle of the park. No. We might not have the players do that. All the players that are going to cause harm are on the wide on the wide spaces. And what did they do all the time? Anderson at the back just kept pinging the ball long right ball. back, long ball right yeah. to right and left. And Dean and Cash play quite high up. And it just kept putting us in a problem all the time. Yeah, Again, I was about to say the same thing, Tess. The long ball, how many times did a long ball go over? There was one late in the second half where Konza had just gone forward and there was this massive space behind him and Will Hughes just nipped in. They should have won 4-5-1, Palace. They had a, yeah, you know, a lot of good chances. I think Martinez comes out of it for me. I was thinking about who was my man of the match and there's only one. And Martinez is probably the standout. After that... It's a bit of a yeah. There's not many who come out of that with um with a positive, is there really? And that's an indictment again. I never want my keeper to be man of the match. No uh, way. But look, uh, I will let you know at Aussie Villains on Twitter. We have um, it's pretty much my account where I chuck up all the Villa polls, pretty much. And uh, a couple of days ago, I put up what would the result be against Crystal Palace. Fifty-two uh, percent of us said we'll win. Thirty-four percent draw. So a lot of us went. We were either going to draw or win away. That's 86% of 107 votes. That's a fair few. Uh, but 14% Palace. Now, next week and the week after and the week after, these uh, polls could be very, very different. Mm. Yeah, the fixtures coming up are not kind, are they, really? So we've got a cup game against Bolton. I think that's midweek this week. And then that's we've Wednesday, got yep. West Ham home, Arsenal away. Man City home, and then Leicester away. So there's no easy games in this league, is there? We know mm. that. But that's a particularly tough run, given West Ham's form last year. Arsenal, Man City, again, both looking really strong. So, yeah, hard to see points at the moment, isn't it? Well, I think I think a lot of people, we, we, we lack the physicality in the middle. Um, and for, for very strong players down the back, we seem to lack physicality there as well. Yep. We do have it up forward if we can get the ball to Watkins and get the ball to Ings. And I, and I agree with you. We talked horses for courses last week. I was really surprised that coming off the back of a win, we didn't at least try. And I think we spoke about trying that same formation just to try the same formation again. Yeah. And they didn't. And I think we admitted straight away to Crystal Palace, we're, we're worried about you. That was yeah. my opinion. That was my opinion. We we had a winning team and we went, nah, we won't we won't try that formation again. I mean, I think it's just um and I have got to put it down to the manager that just indecisive decisions, some of the decisions um he's been making have been questionable. Um really, really questionable. To be fair, I mean, he he brought Leon Bailey on, he comes on, he gets the he gets the um the assist and then uh, in the second half, he hits the crossbar and he looked dangerous when he did have time to get on the ball and start cutting inside. He did look really dangerous, offered a lot there. Um, the only thing that he doesn't really offer as well as what Danny Ings did the other the other week is um, the work rate in terms of chasing everything down that's mm-hmm. going down the sides. Danny yeah. Ings, not the quickest player, but it's something that he does do. He does all that work and he did all that work when we played Everton. Um, and we kind of missed that in 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 the game last night. Yeah, that's a really good point. I agree with you, Tess. I think um, Bailey offers a lot offensively, but defensively is not his strong suit. And yeah, Ings 
will just harry anytime a defender's got the ball ings is going to be there watkins is the same he'll chase anything so yeah, surprise! Right. Surprise! You made the change, but I'm I'm glad we saw Buendia start. I yes, think yes. He's obviously, yeah, that there's been a lot of a lot of calls for him to start from the Villa fans, and it was good to see him. And I, I as Tess said early on in the party, was he was everywhere again and and trying to force the issue, which was good to see. Not, not much came off, but at least he was he was having a good go. When he gets the ball, though, he's able to keep the ball. Yeah, and he's able to distribute the ball very, very well. So when he he gets the ball, he normally does something with it where we can go on the front foot. It's never just a back giving it back to the uh, the defensive midfield or giving it back to defense. He turns people, he tries to put other people into play, and then he makes runs and he's busy. The thing, one thing about our team is we don't have a lot of quick players, no. and I think I mentioned this before. We don't have a lot of quick players. So if you don't have a lot of quick players then you need to start playing with the ball to your feet and having possession of the ball so that you can make spaces and do all those triangles. Well, that's because... a bit of a worry because we don't have, um, I believe we don't have the skill to even make that happen, mate. So, Well, if you, to be honest... Um... When have we done that in the past, you know, 12 to 18 months? When have we ever been able to hold the ball and pass it around? Well, Douglas Luiz is somebody who can do that. And when he plays in that number eight position, we've yeah. seen him do it. Yep. We've seen him do it quite a few times, actually. So, so, so let's jump ahead then to something I was going to have later in the pod. And I'm honestly dumbfounded that Gerard made McGinn captain because we spoke about it earlier in the before the season started. We were questioning if he could even be in the um, starting lineup, and and now he's captain, and it seems like his position is going to be very hard to to get rid of. And and at the moment, he's just he needs a break. I think he needs a few games. Yeah. He needs to come out of the firing line for a bit, doesn't he? Um, looking at the the stats from the the game, the Palace game, the the three lowest passing accuracy percentage was McGinn seventy one, Bailey sixty percent, then Cash fifty eight percent. And you know, I think McGinn. I think we've all spoken about in the last two games. His passing, and he just yeah, he just hasn't been on it. But given he's the captain. He is hard to drop now, isn't he? Despite Gerard's comment saying that, you know, everyone has to earn their position. When you're captain, I feel like you've it's very hard to drop someone with the armband. I would drop him next week. I mean in a heartbeat. I mean, let's 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 be honest and, and, and this is my opinion. I was when um when Villa came to Australia, I was singing John McGinn's song all the time. You know, because he's a fan favourite. He's been at the club for a long time. He's done a lot for the club. Um, But if anyone is honest about John McGinn's performances, and I'm not just talking about this season, I'm talking about towards the end of last season as well. His performances haven't been at the level that we need if we're going to be moving forward. Mm. As a club, trying to play in the top 10 of the Premier League and trying to fight to get to Europe. Or win one of the one of the cups that are available this season. He hasn't been performing um to to a high enough level in my opinion. Um and it's questionable as to why I, I know the reasons for why he was given the captaincy, but what's happened is since the season started, I can't see any reason why that's a justified move. Do you think Tess, you, you raised it earlier in the in the podcast that 
you know, the, the position we're playing him in at the moment, you know, on the right-hand side of the midfield, is we're, I don't think we're really playing him in his best position. Where do you guys think his best position is or where would he thrive for Villa? Yeah, I, I, I'll start with this one. I think centre-half bench. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hold back, Paul. That's it. <laughs> yeah, just say what you think, Paul. <laughs> Look, what about you, Tez? The, the way that I see John McGinn is that he's playing... It looks to me like he's playing a more defensive role for Villa. Yeah. And um, he doesn't play that for his country. And no. he scores hat-tricks for his country regularly. And scores a lot of goals for his country and makes a lot of assists. He should be playing further forward if he's going to be playing. Where does he play? I guess not in that number 10 role. But what about that wide left place? Because he can distribute the ball and he can cross the ball. And we saw that towards the end of last season where I think he got an assist where he was on the left-hand side and just whipped the ball. It was great. Um, He can do that. And perhaps somewhere like that would be better off for him. Yeah. Problem is then, what what do we do behind him if he plays? Then we've got to play the people that can play with the ball. So the Kamaras. We can play with the Douglas Louise because we we know he he can he can play with the ball. Um, he's got good distribution. Um, playing as a defensive midf- midfielder it doesn't work for Douglas Louise, but every time so far since he's been playing in that sort of more number eight position, I think he's played a lot better, and we can see that the quality that he's got, and that might be part of the reason why they're talking to him about a new contract at the moment because playing in his position. He, he he knows how to play there and he does a good job. He looked quite tidy when he came on against Palace, I thought. Uh, Douglas Luiz, like, he had a you know a bit of a small cameo coming on in the second half, but he looked you know tidy on the ball with he what he had. He was tidy on the ball. Distribution yep. was really, really good. Yep. Um, caveat to that is that Palace were 3-1 up. And, yep. <laughs> uh, and, had the and slippers just, on. Yeah, and they were just, they were cruising. But the, the, the point is, though, they could have gone for the jugular... But what we did see is when they took McGinn off and they brought Douglas Louise on, we did see some control, a lot more yeah. control of the passes that we were making. The, the midfielders seemed to be a bit tighter together. Um, and Coutinho obviously um, came on as well. Um, you need to play. We're not the quickest. And we need to use those kinds of players who have got that technical ability to keep the ball. Um, you look at people like David Silva, not the quickest yeah. um, of, of players, Bernardo Silva, all these types of players yeah. that play for Manchester City, they don't need to be quick. They don't need to be quick. Why? Because they've got technical ability to keep the ball. If they can keep the ball, you've got to keep chasing it. And every time you keep chasing it, there are spaces made available. And that's something we should be trying to exploit, trying to get yeah. those players playing more technical with the ball to their feet. But we're just lumping well, I don't it along. I don't think we're... I do not think we've got the cattle to be able to do that at the moment. And it's what we should have really, really addressed... Um, with a lot of our money. But look, I want to ask you this, guys. You were talking about formations before. Mm. My formation at the moment would be a one. So we'll have Martinez there. <laughs> uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a five in defence and five up forward. Because, hey, our midfield's doing nothing. So we might as well just hoof the ball up forward. Let's go Wimbledon, you know, maybe 1990, uh, <laughs> The crazy uh, gang. Yeah. Because our midfield is struggling, so let's just go with one five five. I mean, is there a way that we can? I mean, horses for courses. Is there a way that we're going to be able to to change the way that we're playing? Um, yeah, there is, there is. And, and the, how do we do that? 
yeah, it, it's having that courage to put the players on who are going to take the play on. And if they lose it, so be it. But if they get past that player and we've got three or four people forward, we're going to score a lot of goals. We're going to have to, I think, play, I don't want to say a lead style. We've got to choose, are we going to go all out or are we going to try and be good? <coughs> and last night we started like we were going to go all out and then we reverted back to type. And we don't have the cattle to be able to do that. But as even as, even last night, we we used three subs. Palace used their their five subs, and you know we're chasing the game. And we brought on Douglas, Louise, Coutinho, and Ings, but we still had Archer on the bench. I thought it was interesting that he, we didn't at least get him on there for the last ten minutes, just to inject a bit of pace and you know try something a bit different. You've got to hold teams accountable, right? When mm. we offered nothing going forward after the first 10 or 15 minutes and maybe a yep. couple of little patches that both of you have said, when you offer no... Um, they didn't have to be accountable. Uh, Ayu, um, Zaha, all those guys, they didn't have to be accountable because, let's be honest, we were offering no threat through the middle. Yeah, we needed to change it up a bit sooner, didn't we? And, uh, you know, we, we started the second half much the same as the first... Same players, same same result, really, isn't it? But what you know, we're talking about the midfield and focusing on the midfield. Morgan Sanson's one of these players that a lot of Villa fans have called for to you know get some game time. But, talk about it. I Let's know, and there's that. there's like there's how many managers now that have you know Dean Smith bought him in now Gerard. They, they just don't seem to fancy him. I just don't know why because someone put up his highlights from Marseille. I think it was on Twitter earlier in the week saying. You know, this is what it used to do. And it's, it was probably oh, him. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But it was pretty incredible. But we we talk about, you know, McGinn, Ramsey not playing that well. Why why can't we just swap it up and put Louise and Sans on it? Let's try something, you know? Like, we, we're not controlling the midfield anyway. No. So but, let's, let's try something different. Well, He should have been on the bench at least. Yeah. yeah, the thing is, we, we've got the young players who will take that on, but we're too scared to play our young players. And I get it. We, they could cop a battering. But Sanson as well, I don't think he's got a lot of pace. And so we're playing like for like. I just think we've got yeah. the battle. I think but he controls the ball like Douglas Louise, though, like Tess yeah. was getting at earlier. I think he's a bit more cultured and, and can hold on mm. to the ball. Yeah. Whereas I think McGinn hasn't got the pace yeah. and he hasn't got the control either. You just you just like you're from Arge, and now you're saying because he's French, he's he's cultured. Well, look, yeah, absolutely. I'm taking the mic, by the way. He, he, <laughs> Sanson, I we we I've seen him play a couple of times. And last season, when he did get those that game, he made one mistake, and he was hauled, and we didn't see yeah. him again. But he played yeah. well in that game. Yeah, true. He true. played well in that game, and that's a fact. I saw it with my own eyes. And then when I seen him come on and uh, in preseason um, in Australia. He was one of the ones that looked really good when we played at yeah, Leeds. We, we all we all actually said that um, yeah. at the time. So, look, you'd have to be pretty discouraged. I, I Look, we're going to go on a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a new signing. And we're going to talk about uh, our gaffer three games in being under pressure. Quick break in the show to uh, stop my ranting and just to let you know that Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast is available on the Love Sport Podcast Network. The Love Sport Podcast Network is available on Anchor, Spotify. It is available on Google and Apple. Uh, probably a few others as well. 
This is Up The Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. A positive note, we're back. It is Up The Villa, the Aston, Australian Aston Villa podcast. We've got Tess and Rhino. They've stayed with me. How are we still, boys? We okay? Yeah, yeah I'm feeling good. a lot better, actually. Thank you for the therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got, a, I've got a bit more therapy for you, you might like here, guys. Um, we talk like for like, but I do like this guy. We may have signed, and it's all over the place, but uh, Saar um, from Watford. Um, now, some people call him a midfielder, some call him a forward. I think he's got a fair few attributes that would have been good for us last night, so... We have signed Saar uh, on apparently twenty-five million pounds, I believe, or euros, or whatever we have in the UK. Mm. Pounds, yeah. Um, Ismail Saar, yeah, he's the one that caused um, Matty Target to have hamstring injuries and stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. And Target got subbed off, didn't he? The first game of last season at half yeah. time because he was getting tormented. So, yeah, he looks all right. He um, he scored a goal a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? From in his own half, I believe it was, against yeah. West Brom. So, he's, yeah, he's, he's a decent player, winger, forward sort of player. But I think everyone's crying out for centre midfielder. But he's a talent, 24 years old. And, yeah, look. He's a, he's a, he's a strong lad. Yeah. Um, he's he's quick. He's good with his feet. Oh, he's uh, quick. And this he can score we goals. Asking for. Tess, we were asking for this in the first, uh, first uh, session, mate. Segment, yeah, we were. And we need players who are quick. Um, it's, look. I think any sign that we make that's going to be an improvement to our squad is a really good one. Um, so I want to, I'm positive about bringing in another player. I don't know where he fits in into the current team. Mm. Uh, is he coming to, to fight for a place or is he yes. coming from the championship to, to, to start games? Um, obviously, I think, he'll be in, I think, I think right now, You'd have to put him in. Um, I mean, it, it, it probably won't happen because the the person I would be replacing him with, I, or I would have him in for McGinn. Mm. I think, does this mean we go one up top now? Does this mean we go with sort of two two supporting wingers? Or Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think Bertrand Traore looks like he's on his way out. So this is a bit of a replacement for him and... and... Chuck Wilmaker obviously was left recently, but yeah, I think he's a really good sign in 24 years old. And well, how do we play, good. Paul? If we so Saar comes in, and if you were to put him straight in, yeah, how how do we, how does the lineup look to you? Yeah, I, I, I can I can see it right now in front of me, and it, and I think it's going to be a changing formation. I think um, I would definitely have him almost uh, almost play two. And it's going to sound really silly, but we might as well do something different. Uh, I'd have uh, Blundia and Saar playing just behind the guy who's up front. I think Coutinho is in real trouble in our team at the moment. Um, and I think we have to put pressure up forward. So I think that we have the two supporting, or not strikers, but kind of attacking midfielders feeding into yep. either. Because um, they're not going to play um, Ings and Watkins together. You can tell that. So I think they play just behind them, and we need the overlap. But unfortunately, our overlap was absolutely thrashed last night. Genie put in his worst performance in a Villa shirt, mm. and Matt Cash looked like he would have run uh, 100 metres in about 15 seconds. Mm. I think he can definitely start. I think he could start next week. I do too, and I think if I'm, – I'm of the same opinion, Paul. I think you could probably go Watkins up top, Saar and Buendia behind as attacking sort of wingers. Then you've got options off the bench of New Ings, Bailey to come on, Coutinho. 
Um, but I do still think that playing two up top, especially at home and against teams that we want to beat, I think Ings and Watkins start up front for me. I'd love to see a bit more of that. Okay. Question on notice again, uh, which we keep on doing. <laughs> we play two up, we, next weekend, we play West Ham. We play two up front. Let's talk mm-hmm. about... Wait, yes, so, at home, for me, yes. Let's let's see. I reckon we use the midweek game first as a sort of barometer. Do you think we who, can afford to have a strong squad on Wednesday? I think we should have a squad, I, I squad on Wednesday. I think we have to, to get some confidence into some of these players. We, it, well, saying that, if, we, it goes, what, what if it goes the wrong strong, way, it might kill us. But, um, I was about to say, what if we put a strong squad out on Wednesday... With a quick, pretty quick turnaround, of course, for everyone. Mm. We put a strong squad out Wednesday, and let's be I don't even really want to say this. We've put a strong squad out, and we don't get a result. Um, that's really awkward for the manager. Yeah, that's really awkward for the manager. So, yes, there are responsibilities for the players. Um, but we're playing Bolton, are they League One? Uh, Bolton are League One. So they're a League One side. And obviously, when you get on the pitch, it's 11 versus 11. I understand that. But this will be um, a barometer for the manager to say, do you know what? Some of you are going to go out there and you're going to need to earn your place to play against West Ham because we need to, we need, we need confidence um, and we need some sort of fluidity. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should be resting players against in midweek. I think it's time to start pushing players to see what they can do. Yes, it'll be against League One side, but if we were to lose this game, it would be a tactical disaster, um, in my opinion. So the guys have got to go out there with a tactical plan and use that as a way of saying, this is what we need to do when we're going into play at, um, West Ham in the in the next Premier League game. We need to start working together, and it's a great opportunity. It's like a friendly. We've got to get, we've got to get the team t- ticking somehow. Um and I think the the Bolton game will be a good way to do that if we put a strong squad out. I yeah. love it. I love it. So, guys, another one for you. If we're going to talk rumour mills right now, there is growing rumours, growing contention that Watkins is desperately... Un- I know he's got two assists and a goal, but he's desperately un- unhappy at Villa in his role. And Leeds have come out as potential suitors again for him. Mm. And that worries me. It worries me that it's getting mentioned so often. I think at the moment we we can't lose him. You know, we've got Danny Ings, Watkins as our strikers, Cameron Archer obviously as a young striker on the bench. But I, I don't think we can afford to sell him at the moment because the window, what we got, about 12 days left. So time's yep. ticking. So if you sell a striker now, you better have something up your sleeve or someone to bring in you know, sharpish because you don't want to be losing a striker. And Ings has got a history of soft tissue injuries and missing a fair bit of time in his career. Mm-hmm. So we could that could be that could backfire if we end up lose, you know, selling Watkins, all hypothetical of course. But yeah, for me we keep him because yeah, I, I he scores yesterday, hasn't got much service at the moment. And realistically I just don't see even if we bought in you know, a world-class striker. I think the supply is the problem. We can't bring moment. a world-class striker in at the moment, though, because they're yeah. going to look at what we're, how we're playing and where we play and where we are in the league. And yes. I don't think yes, they're going to be point. interested. Yes, um, a good point. 
Watkins, um, for me, doesn't leave in this window. I can't see that happening unless you can get a replacement who's guaranteed to get you double figures um, yeah. in, in a Premier League season. It's too late on, and there aren't that many strikers out there that are available that will come and work, walk straight in. I don't know what the situation is with Watkins. I haven't read too much about the rumours, to be honest. I haven't seen many of them. Um, yeah. But if he if he is unhappy, I, I can't see it happening in this window of course he was dropped for a game and any other player would be um upset that you know they've been dropped tonight and i get that um mm. whether there's been the training ground bust up or something like that i don't know um i just can't see him leaving and no. um no. it's gonna be like villa will say he's a massive asset to us at the moment and if you want him you've got to come in with big big money to, to so that we can replace him well they'd have to it'd have to be in the vicinity um now, I'm not saying this is what his value is, but this is it's all about the economics and the timing of the windows. It would it would have to be anywhere between 55 and 70 million to for us to sign. Uh, and that's just based on what you guys have said. The well, Yeah, he's in England international, he's only 26, so you know, he's it, his best football is potentially in front of him, isn't he really? And you know, he's got 26 goals in 75 appearances for Villa, like he's, yep. you know, he, he's done a good job. And we, we've spoken about it off the pod where we haven't had Villa strikers hit 20 goals for years. So I, no. there's a lot of pressure on him, which is pretty unfair in a way because he's not getting mm. a lot of service. And there's not many other Villa strikers that have gone out there and, and done, you know, scored more goals than he has. And I think there's only like Kane... Son and a couple of others, you know, in the top teams who've scored more goals than him in open play in the last three seasons. So, for me, he's he's an important part for us. And, yeah, we've got to take hold of him. They don't grow on trees. You need the depth. Um, Leeds, if you want him, hey, I'll take a 70000000 million. We'll go buy a $50 million strike and we'll go <laughs> buy another centre-back. And let's look at the other part of that, yeah. though. If, you know, if it got that desperate for him to leave the club and the club were kind of forced to sell him, what that would do is we've got Danny Ings, who's known for having quite a few injuries. He was off for a long, long time and he's got soft tissue injuries, as uh, Rhino was saying. But then that leaves really a massive responsibility on, on the head of um, Cameron Archer, who would be the yep. only sort of recognised um, striker in the, in the team at, at 21 years old, 20 years old, I think he is. Um, and that would not be there are other 20 year olds who have come out you know there's been special players who are 20 years old who come out and perform at that level but he's just come from a championship um loan um and and scored goals but it would be really a, not a good look to put that sort of responsibility on someone like Cameron Archer in saying that in saying that because of the new signing that we've um we've just bought in Ismail Assar it potentially means that someone else who like um, Leon Bailey could potentially play as, as a striker um, doing the sort of job that Ollie Watkins would do, although not as effective in terms of the chasing down of players and the hard work rate that Ollie Watkins puts in. But uh, Bailey is quick. If we can sort of feed someone like him, we know he can finish when he he's given the opportunity. I can't believe he didn't score that goal, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Sorry to, to cut it short. Um, but um, that would be the only other thing that I could see where, 
you know, we would have somebody who can come and fill that role until we could get somebody else. I just don't see it happening, to be honest. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, quick. I always put you guys on the spot. You're offered um, seventy. You're offered seventy million tomorrow for uh, Watkins. Do you do you take it? I'm going to say no, just given the amount of time that's left in the window and the chances of signing someone. But I don't, I don't even know who's out there. Like, Tess made a really good point. You look at Villa's form start of this season, we're not an attractive proposition at the moment for, you know, top strikers. So I think it'll leave us short. Yeah. So I, so, no. in, so you're, you're a no. 70 million, mm, no. cash in hand tomorrow, no caveats. You're a no, both of you. Yeah, I'm a no. I'm a no too. I'm I'm a yes, as as you as you would know. I'm always a little bit different, and um, I'm <laughs> a yes for the simple fact is, I don't see him being our striker in a couple of years' time. And if he's not going to be our striker in a couple of years' time, and maybe he's not un, he's not that happy, I'm taking the seventy million, and I'm, I'm going to make a makeshift forward and have Ings uh, up forward for the whole season. It is a lot of money. It is. It's. Mm. It's an interesting proposition because that is a lot of money. And it, if you'd have told me that at the start of the the window, yeah, at the end of last season, my decision would probably be a little bit different because seventy million is a lot. But given that there's not much time to get a replacement in of equal or better quality, better quality is what you want, obviously. Mm. That's probably what sways me to say no. But start of this. Start of the season, uh, sorry, start of the window, probably a yes from me then. Mm. To both of you, I will say that your points are really sound. And, um, you know, you had me, um, oh, should I or should I, should I not? Um, but it's just the overwhelming amount of money. If someone mm. isn't happy, I, yep. I'm, I'm always going to try and take the money these days. Um, if you're, if you're really that unhappy, then you, you'll put in a transfer request. But hey, two assists and a goal. You know, we can't have asked much more for him in a in a team that has started the season pretty poorly. So, well, he's uh, already got two. He's got two assists already this season, and he only got two last season. Yes. So, any, anyone listening, please, we're not actually putting, um, or I'm certainly not. And I know the boys aren't. We're not putting Watkins down. We're talking about the value going forward for the team. Yeah. Um, so, guys. <sighs> In all honesty, we're all really, I don't want to say the term, I'll say it, we're pissed off. The performances have just been subpar. I mean, we ended last week pretty badly. We had that game in control against Everton. We were really stoked to get the win, but it did kind of paper over some cracks, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As wins can do, as wins can do. One one thing I wanted to sort of go back to from last week, and most of us sort of agreed um, that uh, centre-back with Diego Carlos getting injured, that we weren't too fussed about going into the market for another centre-back because we thought we were adequately covered and we thought there's other positions to to prioritise. Are we still of the same opinion? Because I've sort of, I've started to change my tune a little bit, to be honest, yeah. after yesterday's defending. What do you guys think? Our defending was poor, but when we were on the front foot last night, and I did note this if you um, listen back to my first half um, summary, Mings' passing forward last night was the best I've seen from him. Yes. His passing was at pace. It was to advantage. I was really impressed with his passing last night, and I hope he goes forward and continues that. Um, maybe we've already got the defensive players. Maybe Chambers comes in. Um, <laughs> It's really difficult, though, right? So I feel like we've still got good defenders. And yes, so do I. 
I feel yeah. like um, I know Twitter was going mad. Oh, you should have chosen Conza. You should have chosen. You should have chosen Chambers. Um, it's really tough on any defender if your midfield go disappearing. Yeah, in any sport, in any and, sport. And I feel like some players need a run of games. Yesterday um, was a game against a team who are quick, who are strong, who are well organized, and, um, and exploited us. Yeah, you know they exploited us yesterday, and Conta didn't have the best game. But in the, even in the second half, I saw him at full pace chasing someone down and getting the yes. tackle in. And um, if that was Chambers doing that chasing, he would have lost the race. He yeah. would have lost the race to get there. Chambers yeah. is also very good um, positionally, though, and and makes really important tackles, um, and is known to get a goal here or there. You know, Conta could. Konza could have had a goal yesterday as well. Yeah, true. Uh, with that, with yeah, that yeah. I think so you made I a know... good point. I think you made a good point about the defending and positional because last night and on a couple of occasions, um, Crystal Palace looked like they were on a ski field the way they were sliding through a spe- and, and the defending was atrocious. And I don't mean defending. I mean defending from the front to the back. Mm. Um, you can, you, you know, you've got to be able to defend without the ball in any position, right? They just yeah. grew past just non-stop. So I think defensively, and you're right, says I think defensively the whole team was shocking. Yeah, I, there was one point where Buendia was covering with Luca Dean, and I was like, "Where's Jacob Ramsey?" Yes. Yeah, well, I, I think we. I said think that that's the whole, part. Of... I think we said that the whole night, though, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's part yeah, of I his game. I think with Ramsey that he's got a sort of his awareness and his. Um, his defensive sort of efforts are probably where he lacks a little bit. Obviously, going forward, like we were talking about last week, carrying the ball and being a, a threat going forward, he's he's top notch. But going back and and covering and sometimes I think he does leave Lucas Dini a little bit exposed. But that's he's still a young guy, so it's he's very you young. Know, he's still learning his trade, isn't he, at yeah. the top level, which is tough. So if, yeah, if you have a look at it though. Last season when Gerard came in, Gerard started playing him a little bit further back. But yeah. when Ramsey got games under Dean Smith. He was playing just behind the strikers. You notice how he got a few goals last season with yeah. Dean Smith. Yep. He was playing just behind those strikers. And I think when he was playing for the under-21s or under-23s and stuff, he would sit around that kind of area as well, just behind the strikers, because he was scoring goals for the under-23s, yep. I believe. I really love what you've both said there. You know, I sung his praises last week, and I and I think if you look back, I had him as best on ground last week. Yeah, um, and I, I did, did too. I Jacob Ramsey. Him. I had Jacob Ramsey, although I kept saying Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, only, six to- only six times on the pod, mate. That's okay. Um, oh, goodness. But, but you're right. You, you put it in perspective for me, and I appreciate it, because he is a young man, yep. and, and, and you're going to have a good week, bad week, good week, bad week, until you are experienced enough to be a consistent performer. And I think he can do it, and I think he will do it. Definitely. The talent's there. It's just that learning curve now, isn't it, of getting more games. And he's one. I'd play him against Bolton in the Cup. There's a couple of players that I just keep keep them in the team just to start just a bit of continuity and a bit of confidence. And, yeah, more games he gets, the better he's going to get. And, you know, he's a young fella. And mm. I think, yeah, it's, a t- it's, it's tough learning in the Premier League, isn't it? When you're yeah, playing at the is. top level, it it, it's unforgiving. Well, this is what I would do for this is what I would do for the Bolton game. This is what I would do for the Bolton game. 
I would be playing. I'd be playing the um, Martinez in goal, and I'd be yep. playing uh, the back line as it was against Crystal Palace there. Yeah, yeah. The reason for that is just to give them a bit more confidence, say, go back out there and show what you can do together as a, as a unit. Yeah, great call. I would make a difference in the midfield, though. I would keep Kamara in, I would bring Douglas Louise in, and I would bring Morgan Sanson in I like um, it. Yep. To, to play in the midfield to see if if there's any potential for Sanson to show that he can step up and play or be used as a sub in a Premier League game rather than sitting sitting at home. Because he's he's a footballer. He can Great. play football and I've seen it. And I, I'm I'm a big fan at the moment because I've seen it and I feel like he hasn't had an opportunity and rightly so players get disgruntled. I just feel like he went the wrong way about showing his disgruntlement uh, before. But I would like to see... We don't have a quick team. Let's see if we can bring the players who are technically gifted, who can hold the ball and play with the ball at the feet. Yep. We know Kamara can do it. We know Douglas Louise can do it. It'd be nice to see if Morgan Sanson can contribute. We already know what um, uh, Jacob Ramsey's about. We already know. So I would give him a break and I would give John McGinn a break. Um, and then again, going forward, um, I don't know if we'll be able to register Sar in time if he's going to be there, but... Uh, I would go with um, Danny Ings and, and, and Watkins. So no, no spot for Archer on Wednesday? Um, I'd, I'd give him a game in the second half, but ultimately I w- I'd like the team to go out quite strong just to try and get some fluidity um, and confidence about them playing with each other. And I think Bolton would be a really good place to do that. And okay. uh, Buendia as well, so... Um, yeah. Um, uh, and not Coutinho to start as well. But I would just, yeah. And I would leave John McGinn, obviously. I'm leaving John McGinn out uh, of that. Yeah, okay. Well, I like it. I like it. Let's bring this pod home. Real, real. Oh, let's go with a tiny bit of controversy. Pochettino is free and available as a manager. And he wants to coach or he wants to manage Aston Villa. Um, do you, <laughs> do you, Take Poch tomorrow. It's your choice. Your choice, okay? Nothing to do with anything else. Mm. Would you take Pochettino over Gerard? So, could, wait, before we answer that question, I just want to make it clear that this is just a discussion, if you would, um, rather than... Because I'm not, I'm not out there saying Gerard out. No, no. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's another, one of, uh, another one of Paul's hypotheticals, which you right. guys, as this uh, podcast grows, <laughs> grows get more use. I don't know if you've noticed, I put it about seven or eight forward a night. Mm. Um, but, you know, would you take Poch over Gerard? If, if you had the ability to have him right now, which one of them would you have as manager? Yeah, I, I would go and pick Pochettino up from the airport. So would I, because the, the the form at the back end of last season and then obviously the start of this season says to me that we're obviously we're not playing well and yeah I'd be I'd be going Pochettino as well. So I think that says a lot. I think that says a lot. The three villains who were very excited about Gerard early on um, uh, have all said that if and hypothetical to protect Tess and his reputation in the world. <laughs> okay. Part I'm not three. a Gerard out. So can I the reason why though? Uh backing yourself, Tess, I like it. You've got to yeah, so, I can 
you're, you're the yeah, kid. I just want to give a bit of a reason I, I, as I'm to why to, I said yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to say this. You were the kid that mum and dad told off, and then you had 13 excuses lined up in a row, correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, was, I had them planned out and everything. Mum, can I go out? No. And I give, I've got like half an hour um, of arguments why I should be able to go out. But the reason I would take Pochettino um, in a heartbeat is one of the reasons that Gerard is at the club is because people were saying and the owner was saying that if Steven Gerrard can, can attract these players, I think Pochettino can also attract decent players based on his reputation. Pochettino has a proven track record in the Premier League with Southampton and with Spurs. Didn't take Spurs to the Champions League final. Um, so proven record at being able to coach players and make players better. And he did that at Southampton as to why he was able to get the job at Spurs. And when he got to Spurs, he made players better. And the other thing that he did do, uh, he didn't do, um, was um, hang his players out to dry um, all the time. He was able to coach players, and there were players that didn't fit into his system, and he let them know behind closed doors, and they did what they could to to get rid of them um, and made it clear that they had no place in the, in the side. But as a proven manager, Pochettino can improve players, coach players, Yep. and has proven experience in the Premier League, as opposed to Gerard, who is fairly new to management, um, did really well in Scotland, but Scotland, the, the Premier League in Scotland, isn't the same as the English Premier League. The level is totally different. It's kind of like there are two teams, three teams in Scotland who will compete for the title and the Cups. And um, in England, you've got eight or nine teams who are competing to try and get in the top half. I was... Pro Gerard, when Dean Smith was sacked and the next manager was coming in, I was pro Gerard and I still am. I'm still, you mm. know, behind him. Uh, but I think the next four weeks, I think it's four weeks until the next international break is going to be crucial for him because we've got some tough fixtures coming up. And the owners, I think, you know, will be looking at it. That, you know, if we lose the next three or four games, the heat is going to be on Gerard, and and rightly so. The results haven't been good since the back end of last year, and I think we we end um, just before the international break. We've got Southampton at home on Friday, the sixteenth of September. Yeah. Then there's two weeks before we play Leeds away on the second of October. That's a window that I think, if the results haven't gone well up until that point against Southampton, that a change might happen, but. I was pro Gerard, and I think he's still got a lot to offer, but he's yeah. got to turn it around quickly. I don't think the pressure's going to be from... I, obviously, there'll be pressure from the board and from uh, Perslow and stuff to say the performances aren't what we need them to be. The problem, for me, will be the supporters. Yeah. The problem's going to be... The, you don't want Villa Park to be toxic. You don't want the supporters... Well, get into that toxic stage. Um, I, so, I, I think that's really important. I, can I touch on one thing with the opposition last night? I thought the crowd. Sorry, guys. There? Can you hear me there? Yeah, you got gotcha. yeah. you. Go, you. Hello. Yeah, so I think I, uh, I'm just going to let you know. We just had a break in the. Um, we just had a break in the podcast here because my dad tried the call, which I told him I'm doing the podcast, and I'm going <laughs> to give you the reason. I follow all sports around the world and I hate Carlton in the AFL 
more than any other team you could possibly be imagined. Um, I was brought up to hate Carlton. And Carlton led by 26 points um, or 20-odd points in the last quarter. Um, they would have made the finals. They lost by one point. Oof. So I know this is a Villa podcast, but the team I hate most in the AFL world just lost by a point, and they're out of the finals. And yippee Kaye, Richmond's playing Brisbane in Brisbane in two weeks' time. So there we go. Oh, amazing. Apologies, guys. Apologies, a different sport. But... um. Guys, you said about the crowd. I thought Selhurst Park absolutely rocked last night. I thought they were definitely the 12th man. It was such really a great good. atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and I want to give credit to their supporters. They were amazing last night. Definitely. Great. They are always good. From them. Yeah. They are a fantastic set of fans. And I think it was um, – I was listening to uh, Dan Bardell um, last season. And he went. I think he went to the, to the game um, and he was uh, Villa and Palace last season. And he said Crystal Palace is just the fact the supporters are mate like they were rocking there. Yeah. And they were yesterday. I mean, I I heard yeah. I heard the LALA at the beginning um of the of the game and that will quickly soon turned and, and the supporters at Palace are amazing. Yeah. I really love were. that it's still an old school ground as well. It's just that old Sellers Park sort of, you know, it's just oh, it's just yeah, it's, it's a traditional football ground, isn't it? Where you, everyone's right on top of you playing, and yeah, it's, it would be a hard place to play, I think. Well, you talked about Villa fans as well, and Tess, you're right about the toxicity because we are a supporter base that can turn very quickly. And you can bag us for that. And I suppose the other thing is that we probably deserve a lot better than what we've had in the past few decades. So it kind of is that 50 cent coin. So I posted this one. Um, at what time was this? Seven o'clock this morning because I was up with the dogs for two hours. Um, I just wrote Pochka Villa and got 90 odd votes, so probably not as many because probably most Villa supporters don't want to look at Villa pages at the moment. 60 percent, 60 percent. So we're looking at about uh, you know 50 odd of the 94 votes said, Yep, we want him. I had another, um, uh, the four okay, I'll give you the four categories. Yes, don't be dumb. Trust SG and don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so don't be dumb got 18%. Trust SG got 6% and don't know got 16 So look, um, it does say a little bit, about, if we want to talk about toxicity, I think, mm-hmm. Gerard, if, if we don't get any points in the next three games, I, I it's going to be, it's going to be, a, 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 a part of my language, a shit fest. Yeah, I think, and, you know, Gerard's a little bit different to where Dean Smith was as well, because there's a lot of comparisons between, you know, where Dean Smith was at this point and Gerard, and their records are quite similar at the moment. He's quite poor. But Dean Smith sort of bought us, you know, back up from the championship, obviously a Villa fan himself. So he's, you know, I think that buys him a bit of, a bit of patience and a bit of time and, I think with Jared, he, he probably doesn't get that, does he, with the Villa fans? Because, yeah, he just hasn't got the affinity with the club that Dean Smith did. So, yeah, I agree with you, Paul. Like I said, I think the, the next international break is four weeks away. I think it's going to be pivotal in his, in his reign as Villa manager. So, guys, we're going to do two predictions before we finish the podcast. I've really appreciated the fact that between us and Spud, we can't wait for you to come oh, back. Oh, yeah, can't wait for Spud to Yeah, come get back. back, Spud. And also, I want to say thanks for Josh's contribution so far. It's been uh, yep. fantastic yep. as well. But let's just go over this quickly. 
we've got two games coming up in the space of um, you oh, know yeah. just over a week. We've got Bolton uh, away in a cup game. We don't have great records in in cup games, the EFL Cup. I think we'll beat Bolton, and I think we'll beat Bolton three or four nil. Agreed. I think we win, and we win well. I think we have to. I think we really have to win uh, that game. And again, um, I would just like to see us use that as a a way of getting these players to to play together in the midfield um, and and sort of get some confidence in defence. And that's a perfect opportunity, you know, to get some organisation in defence. And look, um, I think West Ham haven't played yet this week, have they? So they play tonight or uh, tomorrow. I think so. We've got them in the Premier League next, and so far this se- what have they have they won a game this season? No, they've no, lost no, two. I don't think they, they have. They lost two, so um, there's definitely a potential for us to get a result against um, a team like West Ham at the moment. Um, they're not in the best form themselves. We're up and down at the moment, so I think we can still do something and I think that might be also one of those games where we really need to try and get something and even if it's a point it would be nice to just have a point against a team like West Ham who last season went on leaps and bounds compared to what we were doing to be honest Um, and then obviously we've got is it Leeds Um, so again we we know what they're they're about but they've brought a few players in since we last played them and um, Arsenal um, will be tough because um, they've also come on leaps and bounds yeah. and then and then is it Manchester City so yeah. uh, if we can go into the West Ham game and the Leeds game and try and grab something out of those two games I, I think that's all right well let's let's do this we, West Ham have Brighton tonight and they're at home so that could be very interesting and Brighton will be no pushovers so you know we, we've got a day's kind of rest on them even though we play Wednesday um, we're going to be at home I think we're going to paper over a little bit of cracks. I think we're going to have a uh, a bit of squeaky bum 2-0 win against West Ham. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go with you, Paul. I'm going to stay positive and think it's going to be a 1-0 win to Villa, a tight affair. But, yeah, a win's a win. Yeah. I'm going for a Villa win as well. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Villa. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to go for two one Villa. Um, I just feel like when we when we create chances, we can score goals. Like we have goal scorers in the team, and we can score goals. And I feel like against a team like West Ham at the moment, who aren't on the best form, I think this is a great opportunity for the players to to use that um, as a beating stick to say, do you know what? Let's go out and and really try and get a result here. We're going to need to um, to get a result. So yeah, two one to Villa for me. Okay, guys, we're going to do a weekly Gerard poll uh, between the three of us. Gerard will be at Villa at the end of the season. On the count of three, it's going to be yes or no. You can't say not sure. Gerard, yes or no to be at Villa Park as the gaffer at by the end of the season. One, two, three, no. Yes. Okay. I'm the Gerard hater on this pod. Um, guys, <laughs> guys uh, any final words before we finish this one off? Um, obviously, it, we might have sounded negative, but I think we actually came out with some positives. We've we've called a couple wins coming up. We've um, offered some um, some solutions. Um, and even though my one five five probably won't go down too well, um, mm. but we have offered some positives. So, any any final thoughts there at all? Well, I think that 
um, in a game like yesterday, there has there's going to be some sort of negativity. The, what we don't want to do, though, is harp on for like half an hour, 40 minutes about one particular player and how bad they are and then move on to the next player in the team, which ends up being just like slating, you know, Aston Villa players for 40 minutes. I think it's fair and reasonable for people to um, criticise the team when we've had a bad performance. What we haven't done is criticised um, uh, in in a bad way. Um, I feel like we've criticised players based on the form that they've got at the moment. And and I think that's justified. But we have looked at positives in, in this podcast and we do try to look at positives all the time. Um, and just one final thing. Um, just want to say that um, it was really nice to see Tyrone Mings um, yesterday. We lost the game, but I could hear him shouting you know, through the TV cameras and stuff. And yeah. I can see him pointing and I can see him talking to players. And that's what you want to see from a leader in the team, even if he's not captain. And what he has done is when he's come back to start playing after losing the captaincy and being dropped from the first team, he's come back and he's been his performances have been okay. And he's definitely come out there and tried to help lead the team. So I, so I think he, he deserves up, props for that. Do you reckon he walked in Gerard's eyes and said, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> he looked him straight. They spoke face to face, looked him in the eye and, and told him he's ready to play. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Rhino, finish us off, son. Um, I think, yeah, big game against Bolton in the Cup. Let's get a win. Let's forget about this weekend as, as dour as it has been. Let's move on and let's get some wins on the board, starting with Bolton in the Cup. Yeah, look, hey, we haven't... We haven't won a cup in, in, in a long time. And uh, I think every cup, when you're a team that's um, battling for spots at Europe or, or you know, had relegation battles, I, I'm going to crave wins. So I've decided to turn it around and really enjoy seeing us hopefully get a win. Yep. Yeah. Let's do it. As always, Up the Villa. This is the Australian Up the Villa Aussie Villains podcast. You can get us through the Love Sport Podcast Network on Anchor, Google, Spotify, Apple, a number of different formats. It's been Tess. It's been Rhino. As always, on the controversial Paul, just because these guys are too nice. And we'll speak to you guys with two wins next week. Up the villa. Up the villa. Guys, I think that was really good. We'll get it down to probably 50-odd minutes. Yeah. Um, Thanks for joining us for another Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. You get us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, any other platform that you want to get us through, and you get us on the Love Sport Podcast Network. So if you look up Love Sport on any of those platforms, you will find Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. This was Paul Ryan and Tess, disappointed, but onwards and upwards, and as always, Up the Villa. <laughs>